Hello and welcome to episode 488 of Ferg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from the Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always as a glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very well, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Excellent. Can't complain. Nothing uh, nothing exciting going on in my world. Yeah. Dabawa. <laughs> <laughs> You're Adrian. <laughs> we did it. Um, yeah, look, it's a it's a pretty big week for for footy this week for footy news because um, the International Rugby League did something. Yeah, they they actually went to Singapore again because why not? Well, I mean and, that's uh, where all the great rugby league stuff happens. Yeah, yeah, and look, I mean, who else is going to go and stay in those hotels at somebody else's expense? They're not going to occupy themselves. Exactly, exactly. Um, it was nice, especially, that the, especially now the Warnie's not around. Yeah, it, well, it was nice that there wasn't an international incident this time around because uh, from the Australian delegation. But um, <laughs> yeah, they they had a meeting which they obviously couldn't do over Skype because that would be too smart. And they've come up with a an international calendar for England. Oh, yeah. They've got a lot of shit going on here. So there's yeah. two press releases here. Mm-hmm. I'll go through the first one, which is to do with the World Cup. Okay. <clears throat> um, instead of actually having a press release, which they just explain, like, what's going on. Yeah. They've got like a, um, <laughs> they've got like, um, yeah, chapters. <laughs> Not today. Yeah. I like got the front, they've got like a, a content section, key mm. points. And then they go into it after that and go, well, you know, you don't really need the bit at the start if you're just going to explain it all underneath. Mm. But, you know, you've got to fill out a little bit. So we'll go through the key points instead of reading the whole friggin' thing. Okay. Rugby League World Cup moved to 2026 and to be played in the Southern Hemisphere. Doesn't say where in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. Okay. Um, there must just be one island there somewhere. Just put it there. Yeah. Just, um, what? It, maybe it's the whole Southern Hemisphere. The whole that'd be, thing. That'd be well. South Africa gets a game. Yeah. Bra- Brazil. They'll be happy. Argentina. Argentina can play England at Falkland Island. Mm. Now I'd be keen to see that. So would I. That would be interesting. That should be round one because there'll be no British left to play in the next round. <laughs> <laughs> but she's a bit good footy. Um, Rugby League World Cup 2026 to comprise just 10 men's teams and eight women's teams and eight wheelchair teams. Um, reducing the size of tournaments makes the World Cup more elite. Designing of rejuvenated regional championships to aid the qualifying process, including a new World Series. I didn't know there was an old one. Yeah, no, all right. <laughs> um, full member status nations eligible for the Men's World Cup qualification. The international rankings will determine qualifiers for future World Cups. I knew they would be doing that, and they should be, but they've got to change how that whole thing works because it's completely wrong at the moment. Um, two more points. Women's World Cups to be staged as standalone tournaments from 2028 and a change to the World Cup cycle with the following Men's World Cup after the 2026 one to be staged in 2030. I, yeah, I don't know why that was needed, but that, I mean, if that's the way they want to go, that's fair enough. They needed to cut the World Cup down. That was obvious. Um, I think 10 is still too many teams, but it's better than what we had last time around. And the Women's World Cup being a standalone event, I think is a good thing because then you can 
um, plan an appropriate event for the standing of the women's game. You know, it's, it's a good, it's good quality in Australia and probably New Zealand, but I think everywhere else it's not quite the standard that it needs to be to have full World Cups just yet. So um, you can, you know, create a small uh, condensed tournament. Yeah, so we've got the the ten men's teams. As you as you did say rightly, it is it does still seem a bit high because mm-hmm. ideally, I think the best way to have a World Cup is to not do what everyone else does. Mm. I think, although I say that, I'm now going to refer to something else happened. But there was a cricket World Cup. Um, I think it was just before COVID or during COVID, um, and everyone just played each other once, and then they just had a final. Yeah, that that was interesting. And look at. at tended to work for them, you know. I I think that's the way to go. Mm. Um and then you can you can base the top ten for your international rankings on how those performances went. And so your next team that's eleventh on the list, they then have to play, you know, against the teams that are just above them. And if they can move up, so be it. And you you can have that shuffling around there for the last two spots. But the plan should be that Teams have to climb up through beating the teams that are above them. Not yeah. just by playing lots of games like the current stupid system has, mm-hmm. where you get rewarded just for playing games even if you lose. You need to be winning games. You need to be winning games against teams that are ranked above you if you want to qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. Because the problem we had for the last three or four World Cups, we had Italy, the USA, Greece, um, Jamaica. I can't remember the other one was. But those teams were getting in basically because they were just playing a lot of games against similar strength sides or teams that were weaker than them. Yeah. And it's just the constant playing of games was enough to keep inflating their status. Because we're seeing now, um, because that's the other thing actually we can get into, is the international rankings got released too recently. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they're going to be a little bit better because we've come out of a World Cup and we sought we sort out who's who in a world cup, you know? Um, so they're going to look a little bit better, but I mean, it's just the wrong way to do it. You know, we shouldn't be going by the world rankings at all under the current system. Not under the current system. It's just not, it's not solid enough. Should we yeah. go through the rankings while we're on it? Yeah. Why not? Cause I've also got a points, a points total there for each team. I don't know how they make them up because it's such a random arbitrary number. Mm-hmm. Australia's at number one. This is the men's. Mm-hmm. And they've got 531.8922 points. Of course. <laughs> Why not? And 100% next to it. Well, they are 100% Australia. That's right. Maybe 531.8922 is 100% of whatever the score is. Possibly. But then I'd argue that 8% less than that would be a small amount compared to you know, how what New Zealand's score is, because they're in second. They've got 487.2679. New Zealand's in second? That's kind of weird. I mean, they're a whole uh, 44.62 something something points behind Australia. That's so ridiculous. How do they make those, point, those points up? That's what I want to know. So who's number three? Samoa. Okay. Um, Samoa makes the World Cup final, but they're only the third best team in the world. That's right. Okay. England is number four. All right. So Samoa, so let's see. I forget the decimal points. But Australia had 531, New Zealand 487, Samoa 457, England 426. Mm-hmm. 
Tonga's next is in fifth and 297. Wow, so that they have Tonga a, a big step back then on that point yeah. system. So they've got those top four are clearly the top four teams. Okay. And then the next, let's go with the next, say, five teams. Okay. Make up the next lot. But there's a, there's a fair gap in points there as well. So Tonga... At fifth with 297, PNG at sixth, 237. Um, Fiji is seventh, and they're just 0. 0.1401 points behind PNG. All right. <laughs> Close one. <laughs> it's not even a field goal. Um, Lebanon is at eight at 191. France is at nine on 175, and then we drop down a bit more from there. Serbia is at 10 mm-hmm. on 132. Um, I'm pretty sure Serbia's been in the top 15 for the good part of the last decade. Yeah. Um, but doesn't stop teams like 17th by Scotland making the World Cup. Anyway, uh, Wales is 11th with 122, so t- just over 10 points under Serbia. Mm-hmm. Ireland is 12th on 119. The Cook Islands 13th on 103. Italy 99. Jamaica 90. That makes up the top 15. Greece is on 87. They're 16th. Scotland 17th on 74. Netherlands 18th on 67. Malta 19th, 57. Turkey, Germany, Chile, Nigeria, Ghana, Brazil, South Africa, Czech Republic, Ukraine, Poland, and Cameroon make up the uh, next lot to take us to 30. Mm -hmm. Kenya, Spain, Philippines are at 33. Norway, 34. Bulgaria, 35. Colombia, 36. The USA is at 37. Yeah, when's the last time the USA played? It's got to have been been, a while now. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah. Um, Montenegro, Solomon Islands, and Hungary make up the top 40. Sweden, Morocco, Canada's at 43. Japan's at 44. Bosnia, 45. Vanuatu, 46. El Salvador, 47. And Belgium, Argentina, Denmark, and Latvia all have zero points, and they make up the final four to give us a top 51. Did they uh, just completely kick Russia out of it? Yeah, Russia's... um, They got booted out two years ago. Okay. I don't think Russia's played any footy for closer to three years. But in doing so, Mm -hmm. um, it's taken away... Uh, um, one of the more frequent opponents for the Ukraine, and obviously the Ukraine war has also meant that Ukraine's not playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's unfortunate. But even due to that fact, the Ukraine is still ranked in the top 30. Yeah, they're, they're, they're higher than I expected them to be. It's, uh, look, it, I think for the most part, like at the, the pointy end of the the rankings, it seems about right, but that's because we've actually they played one another and we worked it out. Um, and it's yeah. good to see that you you know the likes of Ireland and Wales and Scotland that they're out the back door because they you know they're not very good at it. So and the fact that we now will have a ten team World Cup next time around, hopefully we don't see countries you know coming in and just clearly not being any good. Like the, we've said before, the World Cup isn't for learning rugby league at. It's for finding out who the world champion is. And we had too many teams at the last World Cup that they were obviously well, well, you know, down the list of 
developing a, a true World Cup team and it made for a terrible World Cup. It was really hard to get through. Absolutely. And at this stage, um, it's looking like the top seven teams are basically set in stone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lebanon, France, Serbia could be up with a bit of a battle from Wales, Ireland, Cook Islands, um, Italy, Jamaica, Greece potentially. Um, Scotland's got a lot of work to do if they're going to break into that top ten. I don't think they're going to be... I don't think Scotland, Greece, Jamaica or Italy are going to be in that conversation. I think it's going to be Wales, Ireland, Cook Island. I wonder if we see um, Wales all of a sudden getting a whole heap of games because, like, we've seen that sort of stuff happen before and I I just hope it doesn't happen again. The problem problem they're going to have is they need to be playing against France and England who are above them on the ladder on this latter thing they've got here. But instead they'll be playing against Ireland and Scotland who are going to, who are below them. Yeah. Yeah. Which means they're giving away free points to the teams below them. Because if they lose, I'm pretty sure the way this thing works is if you beat a team that's higher than you on the, on the rankings list, you get more points for that. Mm-hmm. So by being the highest ranked team in a tri series where all the teams are pretty similarly matched, you're running a big risk there. Yeah. You want to well, be the lowest ranked team playing again, playing a game because if you win, you win big. Yeah, and, and look, the some of the things that they said they're going to do, and they're not done until they're done. But some of the things they said they're going to do, we said they should be doing, which is setting up instead of having the World Cup where teams learn how to play rugby league, you set up regional competitions and allow those teams to play in those regional competitions, and the World Cup is where you find the world champion you know, have the elite teams there, um, and, and that's a good move. But we'll see if they actually can make it happen because this current administration has basically been involved in about the worst stuff that's happened in international rugby league ever. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've had a World Cup now that they organised and went through with to the point where the two top contenders for the World Cup had to withdraw and, and that's where we got to with that. Then they put on a World Cup which was just terrible and then they they gave the World Cup to a, a nation that had to cancel that World Cup a couple of months later. Like, it's just been a disaster under this current regime. They should all stand down. They won't, but they should all stand down. Yeah, there was, I don't know if you saw um, the Brazil Rugby League put out a series of tweets about this new change to the World Cup structure. Yeah. Um, I'll go through the tweets because they, they, they raise a lot of very good points and it's good to see the view yeah. of one of these emerging nations. Okay. And the good thing is they made this press release and they put it all on Twitter. And by the way, they actually do some stuff in Brazil, like it's real stuff that they do. Yeah. It's not, it's not one of these made-up ones that are – some, I'm telling you, there's some grifters in international rugby league and it, they, they do a really good job with their grift. Uh, Brazil isn't one of them. They actually play footy there. Yep. Um, the Brazil Rugby League has received bad news about the Rugby League World Cup for 2025 and the prospect for the international tournament through 2030. After a historic campaign with the men's national team travelling to Colombia on its own resources to beat Chile and Colombia, we discovered that our dream ended. 
The next World Cup, which will now be held in 2026 instead of 2025, with only full member countries allowed, of which they aren't yet. The number of participants will be reduced from 16 to 10. This is an unprecedented, unprecedented setback for the sport and for Brazil Rugby League, especially of such a strong recent performance. The financial and organisational effort of the Confederation, the dedication of the athletes to participate and win in a completely chaotic and poorly organised championship by Asia-Pacific slash IRL was a waste of time, energy and resources. In the women's category, Brazil enchanted the world with the Amazonas. One athlete was in the, the World Cup team and four athletes went on to play in Australia and one in England after the World Cup. This new process promulgated by the IRL remains unknown and less clear than ever before. Recently, Brazil has been downgraded in the ranking, being placed under Chile due to inactivity. However, both countries haven't played a ranked game since the South American Cup, where Brazil beat Chile, which begs the question, how is this ranking calculated? Yeah, yeah. Clarity over the rankings and how future tournaments will be run and the qualifying process urgently urgently needs to be laid out publicly. We would like to apologise to the entire Brazilian rugby league community, to all athletes who travelled many hours to attend just one game, to the referees who officiate several games in the same day and to the sponsors who invested and supported them. The World Cup has been turned into a Commonwealth Cup with Englishmen and Australians and their descendants, with ironically the only non-Anglo-speaking country that has native players participating being France, which is the country that put us all in this mess to start with. It is understandable that perhaps a World Cup is not the best place for developing nations, but where is the Emerging Nations World Cup? Where is the Rugby League World Cup nines? Where can we show the world our appetite, passion and ambition? Conquer sponsors and visibility and give feedback for them. Unfortunately, where politics goes, sportsmanship exists, exits, but Brazil will not show away from the challenges of developing an amateur sport. Even without any visibility of international events or investment in the grassroots, we will maintain our perseverance and commitment. That, that's a, a lot of that is fair enough. Any anger I, is understandable um, because the current regime put together what they said was a plan that wasn't really a plan for these sorts of nations like Brazil. And when it all fell apart, they ditched what they said they were going to do. And they make, yeah, they make really good points. Like a a world cup of nines is a really great place to help develop nations. Um, It lets you make mistakes it lets you get a taste of what you're up against. And there's just been none of that. There's been so many empty promises from this current administration. And they don't seem to take any responsibility for any of it. You know, I went to the last World Cup of Nines. It was fantastic. I went both days. Um, and there was no follow-up to it. Yeah, there's been nothing. There was all this talk about how it was going to be a regular thing, and there's just been nothing, not even a word. Not a mention of it, yeah. Nothing, just completely scrapped. The Emerging Nations World Cup, there's only been two of them, and they were miles apart, nearly 20 mm. years between the two of them. Mm. Um, like there's nothing for a country like Brazil to aim for that's bigger than playing their their local you know, rivals, basically. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing over in Africa. We've got um, three or four African nations that have started playing um, international footy, but they're only able to play amongst the other African countries where they are. Mm. They can't They can't afford to go further than that. Yeah. So that's the other thing that's weird about these rankings is that those African nations are playing against each other frequently, which is great, 
but because they're playing so often and they're beating each other, they're constantly all moving up as a group in the rankings together above teams who are traveling around. Like the Philippines is one that I always use a bit of a, um, a bit of a marker because they're a bit different mm. to all the other emerging nations because the Philippines will be playing games quite often in Australia. Yeah. And in the Philippines and against different countries, not just the ones that are local to them. They've played games against Hungary, um, obviously Thailand, Japan. Um, I think they played against, they might have played, played against South Africa as well. Yeah, they did, yeah. Yep. So they're constantly playing a lot of different opposition, but they're not getting rewarded for that. Yeah. And that seems also very wrong. Um, so it's that's what's really weird about that whole ranking system. I absolutely 100% get what Brazil's getting at here. Um, I think the, at the, the Anglo thing I don't understand because like Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, they're not Anglo teams. I, I think that might be more targeted I, at the British yeah. more so than the Australians. Yeah, yeah. Which, it, and you and me have talked about that, you know. Yeah. Um, I, and I think maybe the treading water thing in the rankings that you're talking about, it was all it was all fine as long as it was Wales, Ireland, um, Scotland that were that we're getting something out of that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I found that to be a rather interesting take on it all. Yeah. Um, now, shall we go into the bigger international schedule that they also announced? Yeah, let's do it. So this is the international calendar agreed upon through till 2030. Excellent. I can't wait to find out when the USA are playing, uh, when Chile's playing their next game. I can't wait to see what tournaments uh, the likes of Japan will be involved in, Ghana as well. So hit me with them, Andrew, the calendar. Hit me with it. You might have to wait. Oh, it's a <laughs> yeah, calendar. It's, it's not a calendar. What do you, what do you mean? It's well, a calendar. It's not, it's not a calendar. Like, you know, you, you think of your normal calendar, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not like that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm ready to find out. All right, Tonga, Samoa, when are they playing? No, 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 no. So this is just uh, this is just a, a like um, words okay. with with like a few numbers that look like years okay. sort of put near them. Okay, okay. Yeah, they like they haven't actually organised anything. All right. Okay. This is more like a. Calendars, I can see what they're trying to say. I mm-hmm. think the word should have been maybe wish list. Okay. Yeah. Maybe okay. think of it as wish list. When they say calendar, think wish list. I think so that might saying, be better working about it. Are you saying that after talking about putting together a calendar for the last, what would it be? Well, it's been more than three years. But let's say under this administration, the last three or so years, talking about how important it is to have a calendar. And then, for some reason, blaming the Rugby League Players Association for there being no calendar. And then having this meeting and saying we're going to produce a calendar, that they haven't actually produced a calendar. No, I think okay. it's, I think it's, um, yeah, sometimes words come out saying, you know, being a bit different when they get translated to English. 
yeah, words that don't actually mean the thing that they're trying to convey, like the word honourable. Good example. Good yeah. example. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So when they okay. they went to say wish list, yes, but the word calendar came out. Okay. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I get yeah. it. We're still trying to figure out because they do it a lot. Mm, they do. So it, it must be an, an ancient, like maybe Gaelic British you know, com- combined word thing. Yeah, you know, sometimes they've got those weird words. Mm-hmm. Like in the north, instead of saying down the road, they say down road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, things like that. So it's, okay. it's kind of one of those things. Um, so hit me with this uh, calendar, for lack of a better word. Hit me with that's it. That's right. Um, the Return of the Ashes. We've all been waiting for that, haven't we? With England men and women to tour Australia in 2025. Which cool. means a three-match series between Australia and England. Ooh, cool. That's that's going to be really exciting. I wonder who wins that. <laughs> um, kangaroo and Kiwi tours to resume. No one else. Cool. Is that it? Oh, no, there's more. There's more. Okay. I was just letting those big pieces sink in because they're the ones yeah. they put at the top. Yeah, look, having Australia play England and New Zealand play England, that's really, that's uh, pretty outstanding that from, you know, 1907 when we played the first test match, we've made it so far. Yes. Um, International tours for other nations are back on the agenda. What ones? Other. Oh, okay. So they, they just, there isn't actually anything there. It's just could happen. But, you know. Other. Other, yeah, okay. Awesome. Um, Dedicated Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere Tri-Nations and Four-Nations tournaments. Oh, cool. When? Um, No. Okay, all right. (laughs) Greater emphasis on regional championships and World Cup qualifying process, including a new World Series to help nations develop. Oh, that's pretty cool. Where will that be and when? No. I'm feeling a theme here. Okay. Yeah. Men's and women's games to grow under new international, in quotation marks, speech-wise, calendar. Okay. How? Um, <laughs> refer to last answer. Okay. Yeah. Change to World Cup cycle with the next World Cup for men's, women's, and wheelchair teams to be staged in 2026. Oh, they had a date for that one. That's cool. Well, they've got a year. Yeah. I mean, it's close. Yeah, they've got 365 days to get it done. I know <laughs> they fucked that up on the last World Cup as well, but, you know. There's a lot of numbers there to work with. <laughs> um, a World Cup every two years with a standalone Women's World Cup in 2028, followed by the Men's World Cup in 2030. I think that that's a – I think that, uh, you know, that's that's good if they can make it happen. Yeah. Of course, they organised – a World Cup for 2025. That didn't happen, did it? But No. You know. But they also didn't mention when the wheelchair ones would be. Yeah. Are they going to be at the same time as the women's one or the men's ones, or should they have them maybe between? That's a good question. And then you need to have a different World Cup for the year before the women's one, so you can have a World Cup every year. Yeah. I'm just – just an idea. And – uh and here's an answer for Brazil. Okay. No World Cup nines in the calendar as IRL focuses on developing 13 aside and wheelchair games. All right. Now, 
the next one says an IRL board meeting in Singapore has in italics except for the last letter agreed um I I don't know why the D is normal text and the word agree is italic it's because it's like saying the word Django the D is silent all right okay to a new calendar to 2030 aimed at capitalizing on the growth of the international game. Uh, can I just stop you there, Andrew? Um, I figured you would. When they say growth of the the international game, mm. it's fucking dead. Um, you know, we, do, we don't play any more international football. The, the next World Cup was cancelled. Uh, we're going to find out it's lost a heap of money. What fucking growth are they talking about? What fucking growth? What are they capitalizing on? I I did send you a uh, a tweet I think two weeks ago mm. with a quote from Troy Grant that said the postponement of the Rugby League World Cup 2021 cost the game 11 million pounds. Yeah, and I think I remembered saying something along the lines of. And so the excuses begin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here, here they come. So, and by the way, we, we've said this to everyone that's listening. They will start off saying the World Cup, it was really successful. And you say, how successful? How much money did you make? And they say, Ooh, we made a lot of money. And then mm-hmm. it goes to, Ooh, yeah, it's a bit tight on the money. And then it's like, well, we thought we'd made some money, but maybe just a little bit. And now we're at eleven million pounds yeah. down. Well, actually, the other step was there were some challenges. Yeah, there were some challenges. <laughs> yeah. What do you, do you mean the challenge that you kept on trying to fucking run a World Cup in the middle of a global pandemic? That yeah, one, that, and you one. pushed ahead with it while yeah. everyone was saying it's a bad idea, dude. Probably not going to work, man. You should maybe call it off. Hey, dude. Hey, honourable, call it off. We reckon you should call it off. We're giving you a pretty good time frame to call it off. Call it off, man. Call it off. Call it off. We're not going to be able to make it. Mm. Mm. But they were just words, though. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't a calendar. No, no. Speaking of, Troy Grant's got a few quotes here. It is no secret that the Achilles heel for International Rugby League for far too long has been the absence of an international calendar. The That's ad- because he won't fucking organise one. He's the fucking chairman of the International Rugby League. That's his fucking job. That's that's him. This this is like the perfect job for Chairman Lee. Oh. <laughs> the the ad hoc nature of tournaments and international matches, and the absence of any clarity for nations, players, and fans to plan their seasons is over. The international calendar respects player workloads and importantly also reduces the impact on professional clubs. The standards have improved dramatically in recent years regarding player welfare and player workload issues and the, they were key considerations in the calendar design. After we secure the future of International Rugby League, our calendar will help rejuvenate and allow the game to, glow, to grow globally, recognising the elite in our game and providing pathways for de- development of the game across all levels. I saw firsthand during RLWC 2021, like he said it like that. In England last year, how much it means to players in each of their three disciplines to be able to represent their country of birth or heritage, put on that jersey and play with such pride for their family and nations. 
I couldn't be happier that we have finally arrived with our much-anticipated calendar. It's been frustrating, and I've shared the frustrations of fans, our nations, our clubs, and the game broadly, that we have failed to realise the potential the international game offers. Our calendar... So, so has has the potential failed, or is it growing? Like, I can't work this out. This guy's a fucking word soup guy, hey? (laughs) You know those word soup guys? They say, oh, it's like corporate speak bullshit. And, like, he's the head of the International Rugby League. And he's talking about how there's been no calendar, but now we've got a calendar. And you and me just went through. There's no fucking calendar. Like, he's he's the problem. Is this not the same guy who said profit in the profit sense of the word? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're kind of like a not-for-profit organisation, you know. <laughs> I mean, we are for profit. But we're not, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I know it doesn't make sense, but, you know, if it did make sense, it probably would make sense. I just love this. <laughs> I lo- And, you know, it. the best way to sum it up is these fucking idiots keep talking about the 2021 World Cup that we had in 2022. But they're like, yeah, but all of our marketing shit, we printed out and it said 2021. So we're just going to keep saying 2021 in the hopes that people forget that we had to fucking postpone it because we were forced to. It also feels a bit like they're still trying to sell it. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> but we haven't finished selling the World Cup yet, even though it's over. <laughs> what a bunch of fucking morons. Oh, Peter Vlandy said, no, 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 fuck Melbourne <laughs> AFL, no, 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 that was about it. Um... Yeah. Unbelievable. You, it, it's, okay, it's, actually, there's one thing I learnt on here. Yeah, yeah. Who the chair is of the RFL. Do you know who it is? The RFL? No, I don't. I, I saw. I think I saw a, a guy come up uh, on my timeline, and I'd never heard of him, hey? Well, his first name is Simon. Mm-hmm. His surname is Johnson. <laughs> He's, uh, also, also goes by the name Whitey White White. <laughs> Why's that? It's a, that is the whitest British name I've ever seen. Simon Johnson. Simon Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did he have to say? I bet it was. Uh, I don't know. He probably came from a bank somewhere. Yeah. Got got sacked and he had got to come over and find some new money to get. It's like I, that. Remember I'm that not, time? Oh, that's all allegedly. I'm not saying that because that's what happened. I don't know. I don't know anything about this person. He didn't know he existed until I read his name there. It'll have come from some fucking weird sport like swimming or lawn tennis or some bullshit. And he's just like, man, I'm just, I don't even know what the fuck these guys are talking about. But, yeah, it sounds good. He's, he's probably worked on the international Buell's calendar. He'll end up fucking <laughs> running Burnley Football Club in five years from now. Why not? Um, so that, that's the international news wrapped up. There's a fair wacky there. Yeah. I can't wait for – oh, wait. There's Hang no on. dates. <laughs> let me let me see. All right, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go to the, the actual calendar on their web website. Okay, let's go. <clears throat> let's see what dates are coming up. Fixtures and results. Let's have a look here for let's look. Let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's look at current year. Mm-hmm. Matches cup coming that haven't been played yet. Uh, nothing. Nothing at all. Nah. So much for a calendar. Uh, 
Yeah, there's nothing there. They met in Singapore and didn't deliver anything. They well, delivered a wish list. It takes a long time to get stuff delivered from Singapore to, you know, England. I get stuff delivered from Hong Kong yeah, to but Sydney. But that's different. That's not Singapore. True, true. Yeah, completely different country, mate. I just can't, I can't believe, look, anybody that wants to know why the International Rugby League is in such turmoil just needs to look at the people running it. That's it. It's pretty nuts. It's crazy. Hey, can you remember a time where International Rugby League was in a worse state than it is right now? Like, I know after the 2000 World Cup, International Rugby League was absolutely shattered, but there was there was at least an idea that we needed to put some things in place before we built up to World Cup. And 2008 was pretty quickly on the agenda of that's when we're going to hold a World Cup. Because I remember thinking like eight years between World Cups is crazy. But yeah. it, was, it was the right decision at the time because International Rugby League had been decimated by the 2000 World Cup. That's right. It needed recovery time. Yeah. Um, the period after World War Two, leading up to about 1975, 1980, mm-hmm. the International Rugby League was so remarkably inactive when it came to developing the game. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where the rot set in. So like, look no further than the role that France played to actually get a World Cup started. Mm-hmm. They did all of that on their own. The international body, which barely existed, it was just basically the heads of each rugby league nation, which was Australia, New Zealand, uh, England, France. And I think France actually had to apply to be included, even though they'd been playing test footy for, you know, 15 years or 20 years at the time. Mm-hmm. So they had to do that first to get included in the conversation about a World Cup. And all the other nations didn't want to have one because it was going to deny their own country from getting money from tours that were tours, yeah, yeah. So France then had to bankroll everything in the World Cup, including the flights and accommodation for every single team and every single player from every team to come over, and they had to make it such a short tournament, so it only lasted two and a half weeks. Mm. They had to fund the whole lot. Uh, France wanted to have America in there, and every other country said no. So France just said, if we can prove that they're competitive, will you let them in? They went, okay, we'll consider it. So France played a game they all, which they organised against the USA. And they beat the USA, but it wasn't a flogging. It might have been something like 13 to nil or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went, yeah, no, we don't want them in there. Mm-hmm. France then lobbied to have Wales included. And they went, no, nah, don't want them either, because that would mean that we couldn't be have Great Britain. Yeah. So... They ran out of time. They said, all right, we'll just go with the four four nations then. That was it. They ran all of that, and they ran it at a huge profit, and every single country was given a check at the end of it. After mm-hmm. France had taken all of the expenses out of it, there was still a profit. And every club, every country had no expense. They got a check at the end of the tournament. 1954, right? 1954. Yeah. And since then, France went to probably – they probably played for another decade – and by that, by the time that next decade was over, there was next to no junior growth whatsoever in in France coming through mm-hmm. to continue with that momentum that they had. 
mm-hmm. and they fell away really fast, especially through the late 70s. And by the 80s, they were nothing. And by the 80s, we had um, rugby league going into Papua New Guinea through most of the Pacific Islands, to be honest, Tonga, Fiji, Samoa. Um, you know, so it was it was growing in the Southern Hemisphere. And by the 90s, we started going properly into USA, Canada, Japan, Russia. South Africa came back again. Um, and by the late 90s, we had countries all over Europe coming in. Mm. And there was so little interest in giving these countries any support, any pathways. There was no tournaments. There was nothing. So that whole period um, of just basically inactivity and you're all on your own, you've got to sort it out for yourself, has laid a horrible platform and such a low, low, low bar mm. for every administration after that. But if you come in, you organise a calendar just for one year, you look better than past administrations because they had nothing organised. They just yeah. left it to every individual nation to run it. But, and that kind of sounds like a defence for the current mob there. It's not because after 80 years nearly since that first World Cup, surely we can have something fucking better organised by now. Yeah. There's a lot of lessons that could have been learnt in that, in that time. And the game has got so many international teams in the last 30 years. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not like the teams aren't there and they don't want to play. They're there. They're ready to rock and roll. They just need a plan in place. It's not even as though, like, all of these teams are like, we all want to be in the World Cup. Like, regional, anything, anything at all. That's all they want. They just want a plan. And that's the crazy thing about this calendar. Like we have, we know who England is going to play over the next few years. We don't know who Australia is going to really play except for when they play England. We don't know who New Zealand's going to play except for when they do play that, that England series. Samoa, like Samoa was in the world cup final. When are they playing next? There's no, and then they dare say they delivered a calendar. Mm. I mean, they were talking about a calendar at the end of the World Cup, and we didn't get one. Yeah, but they were, I mean, they talked about a calendar like a couple of years before the World Cup as well, and we still didn't have one then. And it, then they were saying, well, it's, you know, this industrial action with the between the RLPA and the NRL is holding us up. And it's like, what about the rest of the world? Well, they were just looking for something to tie their excuse to so that they couldn't take ownership of it. Yeah. It's not yeah. our fault. It's somebody else's. They might as well, you know, blame the mailman out here. Seriously, it it reminds me of when, you probably won't remember this, but there's this, there was a theme park in Western Sydney called Australia's Wonderland. No, I remember that one. Okay. And it, it, it was pretty popular, but it just kind of, uh, it kind of ran its course. And, the last few years it was open. It was like, oh, are they going to keep going? Are they going to keep going? And then when they made the decision to close it down and they did a press conference and they were blaming like swine flu and the, and just all sorts of weird random stuff, you know, and it was comical. It, at the end of the day, the place just stopped making the money. Yeah. And and that's where we're at with the International Rugby League, where they have all the excuses. 
because it's never the administrators themselves that are to blame for nothing happening or for the World Cup being so poorly run or for the fact that they they had to be forced by Australia and New Zealand to postpone it because they were going to run it in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, it's never the International Rugby League's fault. Just ask them. And now we're at a point where, as you say, they they all met in Singapore and put together a wish list and then dared say that they had a calendar and a plan. And it's like you you barely have the beginning of a plan. This isn't a plan. It really isn't. I don't know. Maybe the word plan is something kind of like the word calendar. It means something <laughs> else. An honourable. <laughs> like when they say, you know, we plan, the mm. campus is on we, meaning lots of people, not just us. Yeah. <laughs> I, like if they'd have come out and said, we've scheduled a North American championship for 2025, a South American Championship for 2025, a Pacific Championship for 2025, European Championship for 2025. And then, you know, each winners of those four tournaments are guaranteed a place in the 2026 World Cup. And then we're going to, from that point, you know, fill out the rest of the competition through invitation. At least that, like, that's not much of a plan, Right. But at least it would have been something. They haven't even got that. No, they've, they've, they've it's got literally of, nothing. Yeah, a lot of wishy-washy garbage. And if you want to know why we're here, you know, we're not learning international rugby league. As you pointed out, our first international game that was ever played was between Wales and New Zealand in 1907. Okay, the first World Cup was in 1954. We're not learning what we need to do. So why is it that this administration is acting like we're at day one? I think it's probably because for, for the actual administration and like an actual governing body, there never has actually been a day one. Yes. <laughs> but that's, that's everything that's wrong about it, though. In the, you know, in the same way that the World Cup isn't where you learn how to play rugby league, running the International Rugby League isn't where you learn how to run a sporting competition. And no. I, I think, unfortunately, that's where we're at. It is. It's literally like if you went and took an actual person off the street of, you know, somewhere in Canada and just say, okay, you're now playing for the Panthers. Yeah. Boom, here's your jumper off your shoot. What do I do? Yeah. You'll figure it out. Just watch what everyone else is doing copy them. That's basically what they're doing running this this organisation at the moment. I've said all along, they need to have someone that comes in and says, okay, we have to take control of all of the international bodies. We can't be dictated to by the English Rugby League or the NRL or the New Zealand Rugby League or anyone. We've got to come in and say, right, this is where you're playing. If it doesn't suit you, talk to us, let us know, and we're going to work something around it. The main thing is these games have to take place in this year all we're negotiating is the date, not the, yeah. not whether they're happening or not. They're definitely happening. We need to negotiate the date. That's all their negotiation should be. Because if they're leaving any aspect of this up to individual countries to organise, 
then they will never be able to have full control over their calendar. And furthermore, it leads onto the fact that they'll have no control over how the qualifying process works because people are just going to be playing random games all over the shop. And if by some stupid freak chance, right, the Philippines comes out and they beat Australia in a game that they organised between the two of them. But the Philippines doesn't qualify for the World Cup. They'll go, well, hang on, we beat the world champions. How come we're not in there? And the IRS says, well, we didn't organise the game. And went, yeah, but we're both full strength and we beat them. Yeah. And so that's why you've got to have full control over everything that goes on with your structure, with your organ, with your international games and who's playing what, who's playing where, all this sort of stuff, so that you can, can dictate the rules. Right. If you're leaving it up to everybody else, then you've got no chance, no chance at all. And they still don't seem to have figured that out. And that's the thing I find really, really infuriating about this whole process is they're still not getting the fact that they've got to control the calendar, the games, all that stuff. They talk about having a calendar and we're going to have a calendar. It's all about talking about having the calendar, not about owning it and writing it down and dictating and telling the nations where they're playing or who they're playing against and in what year they've got to play it in. Because without that, you know, you just, you're blindly throwing darts at a dartboard and hoping one of them hits. Exactly. Exactly. It's really well put. Um, I, I feel sorry for, I feel sorry for the international teams. Like I, I, I feel sorry for the Brazils. I feel sorry for the Samoas. You know, I feel sorry for Tonga. I feel sorry for Fiji. When are we going to see Fiji play next, man? Like, when are we going to see both of our favourite team play Papua New Guinea? When are we going to see them play next? Uh, Like, they have nothing to aim for. They've got nothing in concrete that they can look at and say, okay, this is, all right, now we've got a plan. There's nothing. And... How long do we have to wait for somebody to come along and actually take control of this and actually put together a calendar? Because um, we've been waiting a long time now. Like you, I know you and me have seen some really terrible international administrations. Um, I don't think it's ever been this bad. Because at least in the past when they've been bad, we've still had games that were being played and there might not have been some greater goal at times. Like we might have had test series or four nations competitions or, you know, random test matches, but we didn't have a a World Cup set in concrete, you know, until 2008, stuff like that. But I don't think we've ever had a bunch of people in charge where they think they're talking a good game, but they're delivering zero. And... You know, you look at their track record for what they have delivered, and it's a disaster. And, you know, we talked about the 2000 World Cup a lot leading into the 2022 World Cup, and we didn't think it was going to be as bad. I think maybe it's worse, the outcome for the 2022 World Cup, because even after 2000, like, at least we knew how bad the situation was and we knew that there had to be a real laser-like focus on what we needed to do to get out of it i don't think there's a laser light there's a laser-like focus here this is just wishful thinking by an administration that is way out of their depth yeah that that 2000 world cup though it does 
because it just constantly got worse and worse. And, um, you know, they kept downplaying the whole way through. Yeah. But it was so obvious when we heard more and more about it that it was an absolute, an absolute clusterfuck. Mm. It's become a bit of a measuring stick of we can't do that again. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you're hearing like some parts of what they're saying about the 2021 World Cup. It sounds like it's going down that path. But what they're yeah. trying to do is they're trying to counter it. So they're trying to say all the things that are better about this World Cup than there was with the 2000 World Cup. That is a measuring stick. To an extent, they're right to compare it with that, more so because they were running it during a pandemic this time. And like World Cups in the, since that 2001 have not been anywhere near as bad as that 2000 World Cup. doesn't matter yeah, where they've been played. Yeah. They've not been that bad. That thing no. was catastrophic. Yeah, yeah. And so it did take an actual global pandemic in order for this last World Cup to be taken back to being as poor as what that one was. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it shows you what it takes now to have a World Cup end up as bad as that 2000 World Cup. And that 2000 World Cup had no issues. It didn't have the issues that came from 9-11. It didn't have the issues of global pandemics. It didn't have the issues with um, finance sectors falling apart or anything like that. None of that. The only thing that they could say about it is that it rained, but come on, it, it's England. It was always going to rain. You exactly know. right. So all of those setbacks have all come in after that World Cup and have all played their role in impacting future World Cups. Yeah. You know, it's, it's increased tickets on flights. It's, you know, the global economy's changed a few times. We've had global stock market crashes and shit like that. We've obviously had a bunch of pandemics in the Northern Hemisphere. One happened to hit us down here as well. All that stuff changes and makes life a lot more expensive everywhere. So, yeah, it's it takes a lot to bring you back to what that 2001 went through, and it shows you how bad that 2000 World Cup was. But it, mm. it's it's close. And at that's least the problem. At, it shouldn't be getting that close. Yeah, exactly. And, look, at least at the after the 2000 World Cup, it was so obviously a disaster that, you couldn't pretend it wasn't, you know, you couldn't talk, you couldn't talk around it. It just was what it was. And I think one of the really important things that come out of that world cup was the English administrators stopped pretending and they had to stop pretending because it was like, it was so bad that they were worried that the game in England was about to financially collapse over the off season, you know, that's how much money they lost. And so, it, there was just no room for any bullshit. They had to fix it. And that's why we saw that it was basically, a, you know, we need Australia touring every year possible. And if it would be even greater if we could have New Zealand at the same time, you know, and that's what we saw. That's why we had the Tri-Nations and then the Four Nations and and that all grew until we got to a point where we could have the 2008 World Cup. Um, I think the thing with this is that we're not even seeing that sort of compartment compartmentalization of let's let's make this small part work. We've got the whole world game to try and get going, but let's at the very least have like a European championship that works or a Pacific championship that works. 
there isn't even that here, which is really concerning. Yeah, and you'd think that would be the easy thing to sort out. Yeah. I mean, right now they basically have said we'd like to have the Ashes. And, And the thing about the Ashes, I think, that is different to what we had in after 2000, where there was a recognition that, number one, we had to do things that only made money for a while. And number two, we had to play series that were at least going to be interesting and competitive. Now, whether they were competitive or not is up for debate, but they were interesting. There's no doubt about that. People wanted to see those games played. I don't know about you, but I couldn't care less about the fucking Ashes. Like, I have no interest in seeing Australia play England. I want to see Australia play Tonga and Samara and PNG. Um, yeah, look, the, the, when they scrapped the Ashes, which is what, 2003? I think it was 2003 was the last one, yeah. Yeah. And that was Great Britain too. That wasn't England, that was Great Britain. Yeah. Um, I always thought that it got scrapped mostly because Great Britain wanted to just be England. And in mm. their mind, the Ashes couldn't be Australia versus England. It had to be Australia versus Great Britain. Mm-hmm. And they were move, they were trying to move away from having Great Britain. Mm. They wanted to have England as a standalone nation. And that was um, a, a funding thing from Sport England. They got more money if they broke them up. That's right, yeah. Um, so I think that's why that happened that way. And now it seems like the Ashes is going to be, it will be Australia versus England. Yeah. Um, I'm look. I'm not entirely fast either way. I I do get a little bit annoyed when Australia is playing against the same very few number of countries on a regular basis. Yeah. So I don't mind if we're going to be playing against England, but I would like it to be part of a much truncated version of tours than what we had in the past. I don't want a twenty twenty game tour. No. But maybe you could have. I think I mentioned before, like a seven or eight game tour. So if Australia's playing the Ashes over in England, go over there and play one test each against France, Wales, Ireland, Scotland. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're going to be warm-up games at that rate. But play those games, but you don't need to go over there and play. Australia doesn't need to go over and play against Wigan. No. There's no point in that anymore. No. So go over there and play. International matches are just going to be international against international sides, and the series can be the centrepiece. But you still play international games around it. That way, Australia gets eight tests out of that. That's pretty good value. And that should help grow the game over there as well. You're going to see the best team in the world playing in your, on your doorstep. Mm-hmm. Um, it also gives Wales, Ireland, Scotland and England uh, and France a reason to um, focus hard on improving themselves so they don't get fucking dicked mm-hmm. on, on a global stage. Yeah. Um. And the same goes when England comes down here. They kind of, they kind of did the right thing. What what they did when they came down here was, as Great Britain, is kind of the idea of how a tour should look. And that is, you come down, you play against international sides. So they came down here. They played a series against New Zealand. Was it was it just two tests? In their last tour. Yeah, they lost um, all the games. I know, but they came down and played against was it Tonga, New Zealand, and PNG. PNG, yeah, yeah. But did they play two games against New Zealand? I th- I th- 
or did they just play the one? I don't know, but that's kind was, of what I'm getting at. They yeah. could come down here and play Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, New Zealand, Australia, PNG. Mm. Um, it's still going to be nine or ten games, but you have it over, a, you know, a month or two. <clears throat> it's not going to be too much of a drama. Um, so that would be a smart way for them to work around that, and it, it's going to be beneficial to them. I'd like to see France go on those tours a bit more regularly so they've got a chance to get better. Mm-hmm. We should be looking at these tours as a way of um, making other nations, trying to get them up to the level of Australia, New Zealand, England, Samoa, Tonga. And the best way to do that is by giving them more games. That's how you get better. Yeah, yeah. And and giving them varied opponents too. Like, like we've seen that France doesn't get a great deal out of playing other European nations and then England every so often. No. Uh, France needs to be playing the PNGs. You know, Absolutely. they need to be playing, you know, Fiji. Because <laughs> they're the, look, they're the teams that they really have to try and get to. It's Because they're not, they're not at the level of Australia and New Zealand and, and the likes. Um, but the PNG style is so diametrically opposed in every single facet to the way France plays. Yeah. So yeah. the way France plays is just on the edge of the ruck and wide of it, and it's all about moving bodies. But it's not very, very intelligently wrong when it comes to defence. Whereas PNG is all defence, it's all straight running, and it's all through the middle. Yeah, and, and I, that, know, that's a great contrast. You, you saw it a bit when when Great Britain played against uh, PNG. They do they play a very similar way to France does now, and they got buried through the middle. Yeah, and and I think that the other thing is <laughs> that France needs to be taken out of their comfort zone because at the moment they can for most of the teams that they would play in Europe they can flog them you know oh yeah they, uh, and they do they yeah do. and then the occasional smashing by England they can put up with that you know when you turn up against some of the other nations like a PNG or a Fiji or a Tonga or a Samoa or Australia or New Zealand and there's plenty of them you know mm-hmm. um and you get absolutely smashed and you get smashed again and you get smashed again. That's when you can't ignore that things need to improve. You know, That's right. and I think that France are able to ignore it at the moment because of the situation they're in. And I don't completely blame France for that, but they need help in getting out of that comfort zone. Yeah. I think that they sit in that comfort zone too, because I think that's probably where their success is going to come from. Mm. But is beating teams lower than you, is that really success? If anything, you're slipping backwards. Exactly. Because you're just helping the team below you get better. Yeah. So if that scoreline between them and, say, Turkey gets narrower and narrower, it's not because France are staying the same or getting stronger. It's because Turkey's getting stronger much faster. Yeah. And France is going nowhere. I think that um, France... I don't know if it was a conscious decision by their administration to kind of hook their wagon to rugby league in Great Britain, or if it was just something that tended to happen because the Catalan Dragons went into Super League and and they had teams wanting to get into the England um, club competitions and it's just something that they ended up falling into. But, you know, the, the linking up between those two nations hasn't really done anything for France outside of the Catalan Dragons, 
which has been a success. That's been great for rugby league in general. I think the Catalan Dragons have done more for Super League than Super League's done for French rugby league, quite honestly. Yeah. But I think that uh, France really needs to reach out and try and get games against Southern Hemisphere opponents because that's that's where they need to be competing. Um you know, because England's not doing anything for them. No, I'm just having a look here. Um, three, four, five. Doing a bit of counting. Mm-hmm. Six, seven, eight. Right. Since since 2008, they've played eight games against Southern Hemisphere teams. Mm-hmm. How many of them have they won? Uh, none of them, and they've all been in World Cups. Yeah, see, that's not good enough. I know that they played, when was the last, was it 2018 that we had the last time we were really playing internationals and Australia played New Zealand down in Wollongong because I went to that game. I think it was 2018. Might have been 19, actually, when I think about it. Um, And there, and France played that night against an under-20s Australian team and they, they got flogged. Yes, they did. Um, It was a rough one for them. And I think that yeah. after that, obviously, so much happened that it it was kind of a lesson that went by the by the by, you know, because obviously the pandemic kicks in and we're just all trying to, you know, stay afloat. We're all treading water in our lives, and and sporting competitions are just trying to keep going. So it kind of was forgotten about. But you know, France hasn't got a calendar to look forward to. <laughs> What's France? There's no calendar for France. No one's got a calendar. No. No one. Like, what's the plan for France, Troy? Have you got a plan for France? Well, you know, by 2030, they can have a few games played and they might be able to come to the meeting in um, maybe the next one can be Wuhan. Yeah, why not? Why not? It would be the second. Worst disaster in Wuhan. <laughs> like, they should have served fucking bat to the International Rugby League in Singapore. Yeah. Cook it, freeze it, serve it on the plate. <laughs> oh, man. Hang on, is this pinky in the middle? No, no, it's just a bit of sauce. You'll be all right. Just chew no, through that bit. Don't worry about it. Why is my dinner chew- coughing? Yeah, it's a bit chewy, but it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, shit. And you go, it's still flapping around. You go, we didn't put a, a fork at your table for decoration. <laughs> uh, it's great. I just can't believe we're in this situation in 2023. It's still pretty fucking mind-blowing. Still. Still. Like... It's 2023, and they still don't know what to do with the next few years. So they just go, let's just focus on 2026 and the four years after that. And going, hang on, there's still two seasons to go prior to that. Imagine, Are we just going to sit around and do nothing for two and a half years? Imagine going back to 1954, right? And you sit down and you say, you know what, fellas? This World Cup is going to be a big success. You're going to make some money out of it. And they're like, oh, excellent. And I'm like... But, you know, in 2022, things don't go so well. And you want to know what the big plan is? And they're like, what? You know, wow, so far down the track, what's the plan? We're going to have an Ashes series. <laughs> now, hang on. Don't we already 
that's sure? gonna be that's gonna be the revolutionary idea. It's gonna be an Ashes series. <laughs> I are you sure about that? Yeah, because yeah, the crazy thing is about nineteen fifty four. Italy toured England. Wow. Have you got the results for those games? Of course I do. Tell me the results, Andrew. <sighs> Being the number one statistician and the person that is the go-to website for all international rugby league results. Yeah, it was a seven-game tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, Italy beat Bradford 67-18. Wow. Um, they then beat York 54-17. Mm-hmm. They then beat Hunslet 40-23. to mm-hmm. They beat the French Amateurs 20-6. to the England amateurs eighteen to eleven, Keithley fifty-seven to twenty-seven, and Lee thirty-five to seven. Wow, that's not bad, hey? Yeah, I do. I've got to find out more about those results because uh, there's something suspicious about those results. In what way? Mm, I don't believe any of them. Really? No. That's interesting. I found those from a very poorly legible newspaper article many, many years ago. So okay. now that I've got access to online archives, I'm going to go back and research a bit further. But yeah. um, I don't have any details other than the scoreline. Yeah. See, but, that's the difference between your site and other make-believe sites is that you're, an, you're a rugby league historian that researches all of these results <laughs> and makes sure that they're accurate. Well, yes. I mean, you've got to. Yeah. You're putting it out there as, as fact. People are believing it as fact. Yeah. Mate, you should start a club of some kind, hey? Well, we've started to build a bit of a uh, a bit of a little workforce in the mm-hmm. last year or so, mm-hmm. um, which is it's taken me out of having to deal with the uh, current the games being played in the current year, mm-hmm. which is very time consuming because now we've got so many competitions on there for each year now. Um, so have a look on the RLP homepage. You'll see we've got like full match details for the Queensland Cup, New South Wales Cup, uh, in the RFL League One Championship, Super League, the Women's Super League, the NRLW and the NRL, as well as all the international matches for men and women. Mm. So that's going in there every year. So we've got a small dedicated team who come from the uh, League Unlimited website. They look after that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we make sure we double-check everything at the end of the year with annuals and stuff like that and mm-hmm. newspaper reports to make sure we haven't missed anything or we haven't got anything wrong. Um, so it's good that that's now being looked after because it means I'm now back focusing on historical stuff, which is more what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we should be looking at getting the New South Wales Rugby League competition, so the precursor to the NRL. Mm-hmm. We should be very close to getting that all sorted within the next, I'm guessing, 12 months at the worst. Yeah. Hopefully by the end of the year is the goal. We've only got three or four seasons left to do. Um, very time-consuming, though, these last few years. Yeah, it's uh, it's like... It's, well, hate... it's, it's the burden of... Um, the media in the 60s and 70s being yeah. so absolutely fucking smitten with rugby league yeah, that they wrote about every little thing that happened. Oh, really? Positively, 
Yeah. This is the other thing. If you go and have a look at some Sydney meeting, Sydney Morning Herald archives from yeah. the 60s and 70s, yeah. the profile pieces on players are about, you know, what they do in their day job, what they, how they do training, what their life's like at home. But it's all stuff that the player shares because they want to. Mm-hmm. There's nothing negative. They're not being snooty. There's no um, snooty remarks about players who may want to go do something else or, you know, they might want to look at it and, a new car or some shit like that. There's none of that crap. Mm-hmm. It's very positive. It's how it should be. But the other part of it too is they'll talk about, oh, you know, this player might have a, he's had, he had a bit of a sore ring and calling. He was limping around at training today, but there's still three days to go and they'll, they'll just make a decision on game day, whether he's going to play or not. Mm-hmm. Then you'll get to the match report for the game and there'll be no mention of this player at all. So you don't know whether he played or not. Mm-hmm. So then you've got to go and find another resource somewhere else to try and track down whether he took the field or not, or if everybody, if, if try and find 13 other players who were there and hope that he wasn't an interchange player. And then it just keeps going around and around in circles. Whereas the stuff from up until like the end of World War II, mm-hmm. the match report came in a newspaper article the day after the game was played. And at the very top of the article are the teams who ran out on the field. Go, oh, become, there they yeah. are there. You don't need to read through 15 newspapers. You just go to the Monday paper every day and go, there's all four games. Bam. Done. That's interesting, that change <laughs> in style from like the telling the story of the match to giving the detail, the, the black and white details of the match. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fascinating how um, the increase in media attention has been more of a burden than then you'd realise. Like a lot of people think it goes the other way around. Yeah. And that. It's really slowed things down a lot. So plus there's a lot more games too when we get to the seventies uh, than what they were in the nineteen twenties, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that slows you down a little bit further as well. So it's and there's less resources online. So it means you know, we've got uh two other historians who regularly go out to actual libraries and go through all the other resources there to double check, triple check everything. Um, so yeah, we've got a decent little team that's working away on this stuff. And where can all of, where can all of these statistics be found, Andrew? Uh, RugbyLeagueProject.org. Nice. That's very nice. Yeah. Everything's on the homepage. Yeah. I, I like the layout of the homepage. It's, it yeah. works. It's good. Speaking, speaking of homepage layouts. Yeah. Mate, I've heard around the traps that leaguefreak.com's had a bit of a uh it's had a bit of a tweak it has it has tell, a, us, more. Uh, tell us more a server upgrade by the the people that host my website resulted in the theme not working on my website and i spent the i basically spent the weekend shooting them? Uh, basic well basically thinking fuck <laughs> <laughs> And having to basically make it all look different, um, it probably needed a bit of a facelift. It's it, it's looked the same way for a long time now, so I'm hoping that it's easy enough to get around at the moment. I will be making more, I guess, like uh, upgrades to it to try and what I like people to be able to do is to go to the front page and be able to find something interesting, you know. And I, I'm hoping that I can continue that process over the next couple of weeks so that then I can get it so that it just runs itself, basically. But, yeah, it looks a little bit different, but I hope that uh, people can navigate it easy enough still. 
Yeah, they will, man. I've had a look. It's yeah. Looking, it's looking schmick. I think it looks all right, too. Like, sometimes, I know sometimes when I've had to change the look of my website, it's been really difficult to find a way to make it work or to have the right information there and, and for it all to be, you know, looking pretty good. I think it looks pretty good. So um, we'll see how it goes. And hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll try and add a few more things to that front page. And um, I need to get back into writing again. I, there's a few things I've written um, this year that I, I kind of kept a little bit quiet because I guess because the the podcast is the way that I get my opinions out now about the game. Yeah, likewise. I stopped writing ages ago. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I wrote a couple of articles earlier this year and they were all right, but I don't know. I, I just feel as though I do my best work on the podcast now. So, um, but well, it's, I, I, it's easier I, to read with your ears than your eyes. Let's be honest. It really is. Well, the thing I like about a podcast is you can listen to a podcast while you're you know, doing housework or you're exercising or you're driving to work or... Organising an international calendar. <laughs> <laughs> if only, hey. You can do it anywhere. <laughs> you, know, you, can, you, you can do it all sorts of different ways. So, um, and that's, that's why I, I like the podcast. I also think it, and you may have talked about this, my writing for some reason comes across as really angry and... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, I think the podcast lets people see that I'm not that angry person all the time. Even your stats page where you talk about how Ken Irvine has the most tries. I know. I mean, what's with all the exclamation marks, man? (laughs) Everything's in caps. For some reason, like when I write, it's like, do you want to know who's got the most tries in rugby league history? 212, fuck. It's got 212, all right. It's like, I don't know what it is. If my tweets come across really fucking angry. And I, I, like, I'm not angry when I'm tweeting. It just, they sound like it. I don't get it. You're just, you're, just, you're furious. It's, it would seem that way, wouldn't it? Yeah. You come across like someone who's been following the West Tigers for the last 10 years. <laughs> you know, I feel like just look at you sometimes and I go, mate, just calm down. <laughs> you know, I'm watching the West Tigers today against Canberra and I'm thinking, like, Andrew will just be happy that it's not a 50-point win to the Raiders. Like, that's, that's pretty that's much it. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at it and I thought, I actually, I, I'm not someone who gambles, okay? But when I saw the odds come up and it said on there that the Tigers had a 10.5 start, I was like, I could almost put a cheeky fiver on that. Because <laughs> Canberra's attack hasn't done anything impressive this year. Mm. So I was confident that they weren't going to run up a score against the Tigers. I was more worried about whether the Tigers' defense would be able to hold them out long enough. <laughs> so when it was only a four-point win, I was like, oh, damn, I should have. <laughs> I think if the – I think had they had Crocker in the side, it would have been a, a really good bet, actually. But they didn't have Crocker in the side, unfortunately. So, well, this is the thing that's crazy on the ladder right now is that both the Raiders and the Knights are in the top eight. I'm really hoping that the Raiders finish fourth and they have to play the Panthers in week one. I don't know <laughs> if I've said this on the podcast yet, have I? No. I, I, maybe I was talking about it the other week when we were eating a schnitzel. Um, <laughs> I, I just. I think you're right, you were. Yeah, they're just something. 
just gets my juices flowing about the Raiders coming into week one of the finals. They're a top four team. Go to Penrith. Oh, they're going to show Penrith. And then it's over. Well, there's one, two, three, four teams in the bottom nine mm. that have got better attack than the Raiders. Yeah. And, ooh, one, two, three, four, four teams in the bottom nine also have got better defense. Wow. <laughs> That's rough. It's Does a it weird. Be... It's a weird season because, like, there's so many teams that are on an even, like, sort of footing. But there's even four teams be- below in the bottom nine who've got a better points difference than the Raiders. How one do they manage that? One of them is the 13th place Titans with eight wins, 12 losses, and they're minus 53, and that's better than the Raiders who've got four wins more. Doesn't really make sense, hey? No. That's that's dire. Um, you know, then, the there's, thing- then there's the West Tigers at the last at bottom, so, you know, it's pretty dire as well. Yeah, as I said today, they were fighting for a place in the top 16, so that loss was pretty disappointing. Yeah, um, they, they needed that, and they needed two more as well. Because <laughs> the Dragons have pulled ahead now. The, even, though, uh, even though they the, lost, you know. The thing that really this weekend started to hit home with me, and when I'm looking at, say, so the Panthers sort of kind of stomped out the storm. And after that first game they played where the Storm looked like the greatest team that had ever played the game for 15 minutes and then Penrith just absolutely throttled them for the rest of the game. And then this second match at Penrith where the Storm just weren't really ever in it. Um, I th- I think I'm pretty confident in saying the Storm can't beat Penrith in the finals. Um then you've got a team like South who are really not looking good at all at the moment and might miss the finals. Uh, Parramatta really kind of need to win all their games to to be in the finals. There's a lot of teams that I think we thought, I don't know if we, we thought that they could beat Penrith, but they'd at least be a team Penrith had to overcome that might not actually be there. Yeah. And now it's kind of just down to the Broncos. And when you look at where Penrith's at and how good they're playing, if they don't have injuries or suspensions, it's kind of theirs to lose. And I haven't said that at any point this year until now. Well, the thing is, okay, the Panthers have played two of the stronger attacking sides in the comp in the last two weeks in the Sharks and the Storm. And on both occasions, the Panthers went, we're not going to focus on attack. What we're going to do is we're just going to shut them down with our defense. Mm. That's exactly what they did. They kept the Sharks scoreless and they kept the Storm to just one try, um, which is just remarkable. And then to put, you know, you know have 20-point 20, 20 wins on top of that, it's ridiculous how... Good their defense is. It's and I know we we speak about their defense a lot. It still mm. doesn't get talked about enough. When you look at the the two best defensive teams in the comp right now, the Warriors have conceded three hundred and sixty four points, and the Panthers have conceded one hundred and twenty two points less than that. Yeah, in the same number of games, and they've only had two wins more. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, there's this uh, 
I've never seen a team like this before, um, especially for their age. Like it's not just that they've they've got they've had this block of of success and they've won two premierships, three grand finals. Like there's teams that have done that, but that they they've done that and they're in this position right now. Like if they hadn't have won any of that, they hadn't have been in those three grand finals, won two of them. We'd be saying, oh, man, this this looks like it's going to be Penrith's year. Like, this is going to be hard to beat them. And when teams normally get to this point, they're done. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so hard to keep that success going. Uh, it's it's crazy. And, it, like, the defense is, uh, it's unbelievable. Like, I just, I've never seen anything like it. They... I've never seen a team that can literally just throttle an opposition team just defensively. Yeah, and it's what they do. They just they shut teams down, mm. and they just do whatever they need to do to get a comfortable lead. Like the Panthers have yet to really show us what they can do when they open the throttle on their attack, mm. which is also scary given that they're one of the top four, top five attacking teams in the comp. Mm. They're not, they're not even in third gear in attack, but their defense is just, it's its on another level. It is insane. It makes me wonder if that level of their attack just lighting the game up, because it doesn't light the game up. Like, let's be honest, they, they don't light the game up. They can do some stuff that cannot be stopped. or And like, you know, when you think of Crichton and Toto and all that, when they get going, it's like, good luck. But it's not like they rip teams apart like the Storm say at their very best were able to do. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that will come when these players are, are like 29, 30 and they've just seen everything so many times that the game is just so easy for them at that point. It um, might do. I just think the the focus and the way they play is all about their defensive structure. Yeah. And... Um. Controlling possession mm-hmm. or controlling field position. So they're a very patient team. They know, they, it's, like, it's like they know whether they're going to get a try out of a set or not. And if they know they're not going to get it, then they play for the next best thing, and that is how do we either get the ball back or how do we hem down the opposition in one part of the field so that we can control their offense and keep them shut down. Mm-hmm. Because you see, they're, they're better than every other team at keeping a team hemmed into a corner. They'll, they'll shut, they'll, the defence will just come in in a bit of a wave and it shuts down any expensive play options they've got and they just keep hammering in. The same few people just keep making the same tackles in the middle with all the support around them. And so many of their defenders are just constantly kept fresh all the time because of it. Um, it, it makes me think about, because Nathan Cleary has this kick that he does where it's like, it's not a bomb, but it's a it's like a mid-sized bomb, and it's to the corner, and it drops on about the ten meter line. And when he does it, I I think to myself, it's not quite where it needs to be. It needs to be close to the to the goal line. And I it feels my head says that's a bit of a nothing kick. That could have been more, right? And they do it over and over again, and. Part of me wonders if they have worked out that there's something about that kick that an opposition team just 
it, they it gets them bogged down in field position and that going for those extra say eight meters or seven meters or whatever you want to go for it breaks that momentum because in those kicks if you go to try and put it on the three three meters out from the line you're going to miss it two times out of ten if you're a really great kicker and that's been super generous right and those two times out of ten that you let them get a a 20 meter tap because it went in goal or that it dribbles out over the dead ball line that's what kills you and that if you just play it that little bit safer that you can just crush a team especially when you've got this defense because they're killing teams with really safe plays really safe kicks it's kind of weird his precision with his kicking game is ridiculous Mm. and also effortless yeah there was a game it might have been against the sharks Mm. it was right on half time and he's just gone i'll just have a crack at field goal like right on halfway it looked like from the moment he struck it, he did not kick that anywhere near hard enough. But it looked like he kicked it maybe hard enough to go about 30 metres on the full, and that was it. It was such a casual attempt, and it just went under the black dot. It was that straight. It went under the black dot from 50 out, and it barely scraped under. I was like, the timing on this guy's foot is ridiculous. Yeah. It's another level. I've no, I've never seen someone who has that sweet of timing. I think Benji Marshall showed it sometimes, mm-hmm. but not nowhere near as frequent as, as Cleary does. Yeah, it, it is weird because it, it doesn't look like he's got like an Anasta-like boot where Anasta could send it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Anasta kicked the ball. You're like, holy shit, you know. Some people can just do that. He doesn't look like one of those people, but as you say, he – Definitely has the power in his kick, and you know it. It just looks so effortless. Yeah, um, it's pretty crazy. I, I can't believe that they're my team. It just doesn't seem real, you know. It's 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 really insane that they're in this position right now after everything they've already done. Um, and it makes me think, like if if they do win it this year, because the three straight has been absolutely impossible in the modern era for so many great teams, if they win three straight, like the door kind of opens after that, doesn't it? Because that's kind of the, you know, if they can break that four-minute mile sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, there's very few teams that have done it. So Parramatta were the last ones in the 80s. Mm. And before that would have been the Dragons with their 11 straight. Um, well, Stouts might have had a few in a row after that run. And maybe before it, um, East in the 30s, mm-hmm. South in the 20s, and Balmain during World War One. Yeah, I think Balmain was out. They, one, wasn't they it? did 15, 16, 17, 19, 20. Um, so they had five in six years there. And like if I said to you, if I said to you, Penrith, are going to win three straight. What are the chances that they win? Like the chances of them winning, say, four straight, I think are higher right now than it is of them losing this year and then winning next year. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
because that like next year their team is going to be really fucking good again. Like they they'll lose Crichton, but I think that's it from memory. Like the, they, the only they, thing that's going to impact them is if the rules change. Yeah, and the game does have a bit of a track record of changing rules to try and bring teams that are too elite back to the fold a little bit. That's true. Um, the most prominent one's been St. George and South um, in the past. Mm-hmm. And while I'll always say that the rules weren't around bringing those teams back to the fold a little bit and, and making the game more competitive, and they had their reasons to prove that, there is still an element of, but it was, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Like, say, say for instance, if, it, like, you you think of the Dragons and how they they ran into the limited tackles, right? Yeah. And that stopped them. It would have, it would be something like the NRL brings in a draft and so Penrith no longer has that next man up thing out of their junior base. Yeah. Or they put a cap on how many juniors you're allowed to have or some weird shit. They'll, they'll find yeah. a way to, to target the lower grade players. Yeah. Um, yeah. So George got hit with a double whammy too. It was the, the limited tackles come in. At the same time that the Sharks came in, who mm-hmm. were then taking players out of what used to be their development area, their catchment area. Mm-hmm. So it impacted them heavily. I mean, only took Cronulla, what, five, six years to get to a grand final. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, and in that time, St. George didn't make one. Yeah. So it's it's pretty telling how quickly some of that stuff can work. Um. So it, it's it'll be something like that, and it'll be framed in a way where the other teams will not be too severely impacted, so they won't make much of a complaint. Mm-hmm. And Penrith will stamp up and down about it, rightfully so, and everyone will just go, "What are you whinging about? You've won the last three grand finals." <laughs> yeah. And so the only thing they won't like... be listened to because there'll be one voice against, and sixteen will be four. Exactly, like that. The uh, I can only imagine it would be the junior base because, like, even if you said, well, say you say they put in rules to really super speed up the game, like just say they, for some reason, Volandis wakes up tomorrow and he says, you know, it was really cool, unlimited interchange, wasn't that just the best? Um, I think that he's listening. Like, I think Penrith would actually be really well placed to handle that because they've got some pretty unique forwards, you know, they've, they've got big boppers that are mobile. Um, they'd probably need to get a, a couple of monsters in there on their bench. But, um, and then if the game slowed down, if, if you slowed the game down, right, right down, I think that, that would just, I mean, I think Penrith would start kneeling most teams, you know, if you slow uh, they, the game They down. come up with a more stupid rule. So it'll be something like, if you've got a halfback who can kick goals, then his five eighth must not be getting paid at least a million dollars. He's got to be on less than that. <laughs> by the by the way, by the way, on on our five eighth on on Luai, right? When lovable, lovable character, I hear. <laughs> people really, are, he's so endearing. Um, <laughs> when it come out that. Like they basically have signed up most of their key players except him so far. And I saw so many people whose teams are utter fucking shit saying, well, I don't want him on my team. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? 
I had people saying, well, he's never won in State of Origin. And I'd say, well, he actually has won a State of Origin series. And they'd be like, yeah, but who else has he done anything for except Penrith? And it's like, oh, he did well, do really well in the World Cup. Did you say that? Well, apart from that, it's like, what else is there? <laughs> He's just cutting out all of his success and saying, well, apart from all of his success, he's not very successful. Oh, mate, you're, you're just a Panthers lover, man. He, he, it's not until Lua's done something for the moon men. <laughs> all right. Go out and win a title for the for the Wagga Magpies, mate. Exactly. All right. Go and reclaim the Clayton Cup. But do something useful with your life, Jerome. Sitting there I, winning I, NRL trophies is nothing. Didn't even win a World Cup. Had oh, to win Jesus. two of them too. Not even one of them. Crap. Yeah. Fucking over. But I, I had somebody give, saying, "Give me Luke Brooks any day." <laughs> Look, I had somebody saying, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I, sure, he made the World Cup final with Samoa, but did you see that Samoan side? It was just a gun side, and it's like no one was picking Samoa to make the final. Nope. Nope. Especially after Samoa got dick by. Was it 50 against England in the first game? Yeah. 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 Samoa was written off. Exactly. We were writing them off. Yeah. And, the, yeah. and, you know, the more I think about it, that he didn't win the Golden Boot is a fucking travesty, hey? Oh, of course it is. Like, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. But, you know, no one knows. But, I mean, the Golden Boots, like the international calendar, no one knows what the process is on it anymore. They change yeah. it every year. It just went out the window, didn't it? Yeah. It it died when uh, they gave it to Andy Farrell, and then they put two in the back of its head when they gave it to Kevin Sinfield. So I, I wasn't that opposed to that. I was opposed to when Mackinson got it. Oh, that yeah, that and well. that, that's what killed it for me. Because I asked people, what did he do to deserve it? I'm not being, I don't care if another Englishman gets it, but what did specifically did Mackinson do to get it? Are you telling me he was the best British player all year? You know, no, Whitehead would have been comfortably. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have mind if Whitehead got made, you know, got the got the title. I'd have gone fine, not a problem. What did Mackinson do? And one thing I was told was, uh, he played on and was really strong in a game after he got knocked out, and I went. So he got knocked out and he kicked a goal. <laughs> I'm sure I could do that. <laughs> I mean, the knock, getting knocked out part can't be that hard, surely. <laughs> <laughs> it should be the Boyd Cordner Award if it's that. Fuck. <laughs> oh, oh, he went there. He went there. No, no, I had to. But, um, yeah, time. it's... it's Oh, it's like everything else in the international rugby league. It's just really fucking disappointing, but be prepared because it'll get worse. It will, it will. Now, uh, was there anything else? No, I can't think of anything else that that happened this weekend off uh, this week off the top of my head. Um, I think that's pretty much it. The RLPA is uh, still trying to get the NRL to come to the negotiation table over the CBA. Uh, that's still ongoing. We've we've seen you know some really gross stuff said in the media about the players and and stuff in regards to that. But uh, oh, I got no... some I got some news from England. Okay, hit me with it. Um, Castleford coach Andy Last quit. Why did uh, he quit? Yes, yesterday. Why did he quit? Uh, well, Castleford are running last. They're last. They're worse than Wakefield now. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. 
So last pace last has left. I, uh, I, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. They're going to sign a guy called Best. Um, <laughs> they're going to get Travis Best. Travis uh, Best. Well, that actually is another piece of news was that there was talk that, um, the West Tigers may have a fight on their hands to get the services of Matt Moylan because apparently he's in talks with Catalan. Wait a minute, they, they're going to fight for him? No, they won't, but... Yeah. I was going to say. We, we, know, we know they will. <laughs> they probably will. The Tigers uh, sign, what was it, Jaden... Jaden Sullivan? Sullivan. Jaden Sullivan from the Dragons? Cause, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> he's been a bit of a, a great white hope for the Dragons fans, and I get it because they're looking for anything, but... Uh, yeah, I, I was a bit like you. I was like, we'll see what happens with that one. Um, Signed just... the wrong current Dragons half. That's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Holbrook apparently was offered the Warrington job and turned it down because he's going to be an assistant coach in the NRL. And there's some talk that Sam Burgess might end up being their, their coach. Yeah, there's also been, oddly enough, a little bit of criticism about that bloke coaching the Knights. Adam O'Brien. Yeah, they started yeah. criticising him as the Knights have started winning games. Yeah, that's a weird one. The I mean, Knights, that, was, that was the safe play, wasn't it? Yeah, the Knights have been a bit weird in that sense. Like, I don't think that they're playing much better, but they're doing enough to win games. So that's yeah. good. Up until this week, their defence was a lot better than what it had been improved, you know, for the last few years anyway. Mm. Um wasn't too great this week, but they did enough in attack to get the get the points. Mm. Um, yeah, I just found it funny that they the media started going after Adam O'Brien while the Knights are sort of halfway through their current five-game winning streak and sitting in seventh place on the ladder. Yeah. I, I, let's let's criticise him now that he's doing well because, you know, that'll take the moz off it. But at least we can say that when he does go back to losing, well, we did criticise him last year. It's it's good for uh, Knights fans. I've been in that situation where you, like, you know, your team isn't a world beater. You know that if you make the finals, you're not going to do anything. But at least you're relevant, and so at least Knights fans can turn up on the weekend and be like, we're we're somewhere, you know, rather than being nowhere, which they've been for a long time. The poor buggers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they've got the uh, the Bulldogs this week. The last yeah. time they played the Bulldogs was only a few weeks ago, and they beat them 66-0. Yeah, doggies coming off a bye, aren't the doggies? Yes. Um, but uh, after that, it gets a bit rough for the Knights. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, checking their, their run here. Mm-hmm. They've got South, Sharks, and then the Dragons. Wow. It's, well, the South and Sharks, they, they'll be looking at that game thinking, we have to win that. Yeah. Um, and given that the Knights are just – they've only just crept into the eight. They're in a position where they can't really be dropping too many games. So mm-hmm. I'd suggest they probably need to win three of those. You know, the, par- next, the next three are all at home as well. So I think they're probably thinking they can get they can get the dogs and they can get the dragons. So they've got to try and get a win out of South or Cronulla. Yeah, um, I was when I was watching Parramatta, and and there's there's been some controversy out of that Parramatta versus Dragons game. The Dragons are blowing up about a drop ball um, that was, they said that it was stripped and that they should have been allowed to play on. But when you drop a ball and you're that close to the try line, I, I, I've just got, you've got no excuses, especially when you let the Eels, 
you know, come back from 10 points down. Like, they've just got no place to, to whinge about it. Oh, that was the, the little drop ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know. That, but, that's uh, been a loose carry all year. Yeah, and, like, I'm watching that game, and Parramatta was really struggling in that game. And all I could keep thinking of is how you and me have talked about, like, are these the players the Yields really want to stick with? You know, because they're locked in. All, all they're, they're, they're basically locked in with all of their big contracts to this Eels team. And I'm watching them and I'm like, they, like they're not going to turn it around and become a great team all of a sudden again, you know? No. And so where does that injection of talent come from? It's got to come from their, their junior base. Who's junior base? Parramatta's. Penrith? <laughs> I see what you did there. I'm sure you said Penrith. <laughs> yeah. We're just feeding. The, we're seriously the Penrith junior base is feeding like five or six clubs at the moment. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and the West Tigers are taking the bad ones out of the lot <laughs> yeah, and giving back the ones that were good that they took. Yeah. Oh, we don't need this guy. He's no good. He started playing well. <laughs> did you see? Did you see Dane Laurie today? It looks like he has checked out. Hey. Oh, he's been checked there for a while. Yeah. I reckon he signed that contract with Penrith about two months ago, and he's just going, <laughs> I'm just cruising here, fellas. They said they said he'd come off with HIA, and he did. He took a head knock, yeah. but he couldn't come back on the field. And they immediately showed him on the sideline. He's smiling, yeah. he's laughing he was, up and stuff. And, he was in his happy place. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought he's gone to the sideline, and I said, okay, where are you? And he's gone, man, I'm at Penrith already. <laughs> Been there all month. <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. The other thing that was interesting about that game too with the Tigers is they had um, Coruscant playing a lot of game at first receiver. Yeah, that was interesting. Was like, Man, he did all right. And I was like, wow, kind of reminds me when Tim Sheens was coaching Robbie Farrer for a while there. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't look at all different. It is. Oh, shit. That's terrible. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. That's all it was. It's just Robbie Farrer on the field again, putting it kicks really in over happens. the top and everything. That's not a, definitely not a uh, criticism of Farrer or Coruscant because they're both good enough to do that job. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty fucking nuts. Yeah, that is crazy. Damn, I didn't even think of that. Wow. <laughs> now I feel bad about how good Coruscant was playing because it doesn't lead to a good place for the Tigers. We've seen it. That's right. So, um, yeah, between Super League and the NRL, Tigers are last. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. Seven not good. wins between the two of them. Seven wins and 34 losses for the year. I can help. Oh, wow. That, I tell you what, those those wins were pretty good, though. Apparently. I can't, can't believe... Remember. I can't remember I can't, any of them. Look, I can't believe that Wakefield isn't the worst team in Super League anymore. That's crazy. Because they were, they were terrible. Yeah, they were. They were real bad. Yeah, Castlebit's going to be out. I wonder who gets promoted. Well, Featherston in Championship have had 19 wins and one loss this year. Yeah. And next best is Toulouse with 15 wins, six losses. Oh, wow, that's a bit of a gap. Yeah. So I'm assuming, I dare say Featherstone are probably the, the best chance to go up or 
I suppose if they're using their weird new structure system they've got there, Toulouse might be a stronger chance given they'll have a bigger support base. Yeah, they might tick more boxes, hey? Yeah, so it looks like Kaz is going down. What a terrible time. That, that For those two teams to be neighbours and both of them just going bad at the worst possible time, at least I guess there'll be a team there, but it won't matter to the to the fan base that misses out. No, it's a pretty crazy-looking Super League ladder too because mm. we're going to have Salford, Leeds, Huddersfield and Hull, I suppose Kaz as well, all out of the top eight at the moment. Mm-hmm. Hull KR's just in. Uh, Warrington, St Helens, Lee, Wigan and Catalan is at the top. Have you seen the jumper that Lee are going to be wearing to the Challenge Cup final this weekend? Yeah, they somehow took <laughs> the most <laughs> horrid jersey and just upped it to 11. It's it's kind of impressive. I'm, I, I'm actually all for it being... Like, if you're going to be bad, be really fucking bad, yeah. you know? So they've basically gone to your auntie's house and they've taken a photo of the print on her yoga pants and they've gone, let's make that our entire jumper. They went to their jersey designer, right? And they said, remember Cindy Lauper? Did you ever <laughs> see her in the 80s? Oh, basically what she was wearing, we want that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I looked at it and went, wow. Well, at least the kids will like it, I guess. <laughs> Would you be a grown adult and wear that around in the streets? <laughs> No, no, that's a horrible looking thing. I've, I've. You couldn't even wear it ironically, hey? No, you couldn't. Like if somebody saw, like if you saw somebody that you knew when they were wearing that jersey, you hadn't seen them for a while, you'd be like, did they get a head injury or something? Like what <laughs> happened? If you were given that jumper, the only way you'd wear it is at night to bed when you're at your own home alone. Yeah. With something over the top of it. <laughs> yes. And you get me... you get dressed under mm. the doona before you got out of bed in the morning just so no one could possibly see you wearing it, even just peeking through the window. What the fuck was that? Lights <laughs> out, you know. <laughs> Everywhere. No one is oh. fucking you in a leopard's jersey. <laughs> you get nothing. You get just zero. Oh, boy. But, uh... I'm you gonna see a leopard's can... jersey. You got to beat it off like a goddamn soldier <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the corner, crying to yourself. That's a hard job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and even then you're like looking down at it. You're getting all sad and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it'd be difficult. Slapping around, go. Come on, we're almost there. Come on, be strong. Come on, you can get through this. Leighton Hewitt. <laughs> Come on, Balboa. Come on. <laughs> um. <laughs> I am going to see if I can stay up for the uh, the Challenge Cup final, though. Oh, nice. It's going to be nuts. What date's that on again? This weekend sometime. Oh, is it this weekend? Okay. It, mind you, I'll probably find out that it's on at bloody 3.30 in the morning or something inconvenient. I feel I'm like not. we found out it was on at midnight. If it's midnight, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch. Okay, yeah. I'll watch with you. We might even put a live episode on. Ooh, it's been a while since we've done that. The problem is the last couple of Challenge Cups and when we've done that, I know we didn't do it last year, but fuck, the games were bad. They were, that was and they so were punishing, bad. and we'll try not to fall asleep by the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, but see what, with that many, that much wildlife around on the ground, we might need David Attenborough on. That'd be good. That'd be a way to go. Mm. Uh, all 
Alrighty then, people. Well, uh, thanks for indulging us once again. Um, we'll try and make sure the next one's not as far away as this episode was. Mm. Been all sorts of drama going on. Yep. Mostly with, my the fault. In- mostly with the interns. Yeah, look, Freaky just got a bit carried away bashing one with a wooden spoon the other day. <laughs> you, and, you and your antics. I don't know. Let me tell you, I read what Lizzo was doing with her interns, and I was like, I've got to make some apologies to Warehouse. <laughs> but not before I smack him around first. <laughs> not before I tell him where they, that banana's been. That's right. <laughs> and where it's going. <laughs> um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on the socials. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. There's, I think, threads on Insta. Threads, yeah. Um, Insta. So Wait, what's your Patreon, Andrew? Patreon. Oh, uh, patreon.com slash rlproject. Nice. And I believe you have one. What's your one? I do. Mine's patreon.com forward slash league freak with no space in between league and freak. Awesome. Give us all of your lotto winnings. That'd be handy. That's a way. That's a way to go. Mm. Um, awesome. Yeah, well, make sure you check us out on all the socials. Um Share the stuff around. That would be awesome. And uh, we'll catch you all next time.